to all you mothers, I say happy Mother's Day. God bless you. Thank you for being the mothers that God has called you to be. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning about a mother's love, and we're going to talk about a couple of people, couple of mothers in the Bible that really used their faith to their particular child that um, made a difference even today. It's still making a difference today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I got a couple of little statements I want to read to you that's kind of neat and says, by the time a child reaches 18, a mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. How <laughs> I many of you can attest to that? Child-generated work. In fact, women who never have children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. Wow. Thank you, mothers. And then a, um, another one I found that says, a junior high science teacher lectured on the properties of magnets for an entire class. You might say, what in the world does that have to do? Well, listen. The next day, he gave his students a quiz. The first question read like this. My name begins with an M, has six letters, and I pick up things. What am I? Half the kids in the class wrote mother. Any mothers have to pick up things? <laughs> you know, Mother's Day is, is a time we celebrate our mothers. And some, in some senses, that's a difficult for some people because of their mothers are passed away. But, you know, you know, when your mother's with Jesus, then hallelujah. And then, you know, when um, anyway. This, I pray blessings and peace on you. And some of you might not have the kind of mother that you thought you should have had. But guess what? God is loving. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to start out with another statement that I actually put on the slide. So just to show you what mothers um, have to operate in different roles. Amen. Like, you know, it's, it's like. Different, different things, different roles. Um, a mother's not just one who does this. But it says, and mothers are linked to God, a child's first impression of God's love, feeding, and caring. So listen to this. Mothers are nurses, doctors, psychologists, counselors, chauffeurs, and coaches. Mothers are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, and shapers of attitudes. Mothers are soft voices saying, I love you. So mothers are all these things, and they're much more. You know, um, I want to say it doesn't matter how old your children get to be, right? Um, I want to say this, that no matter how old they get to be, you're still their mother, right? And no matter um, how old they get, you still have impact in their lives. 
Amen. I think a mother has the right, because she is a mother, no matter how old they get, to still grab them by the ear and pull them to the side and say, look, you need to do this. Right? I know my mother didn't mind that. She would tell me what I needed to hear. And then she would tell me things I didn't want to hear. Up until she went to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I think I was the last one to talk to her before she went to be with Jesus. I never have really thought that about that. But um, I did. I went at night and she passed away the next morning. But you know what? That's what she wanted. She told me, she said, I'm ready to go home. I want to be with Jesus. And the next morning, she checked out. So I want to read 1 Thessalonians 2 to you, 7 and 8. It says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. So what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians is, you know, the method of teaching, the method of, of mentoring, the methoding, method of discipling that they used was like a mother. It was caring and loving. You know, and all through the Bible, there, there are examples of godly mothers who cared about their children, who put their children before them. Just think about Moses. I mean, Moses' mom cared so much that she was willing to break a law that had been put out that basically I don't know if you everybody understands but they said when you if you had it wasn't like basically they said if you have a male child get rid of him kill him you ever thought about that what that meant a lot of people I think thought well they just send the soldiers out to kill him but no they said you do it well, Moses' mother was like, nope, ain't going to do it. <laughs> and she, you know what she did through that is taught Moses learned faith. The mother and James, of James and John, they loved her boys so much that she, she said, look, I want them sitting right beside you, Jesus, in heaven. I want, I want them right beside you. So, there are, there are lots more of mothers and different examples of mothers, but these were two that were something else. But I think of, of uh, Moses' mother. And you know, through that, God blessed her, and she was able to still raise him. She was still able to, to put faith into him because God moved on the, the, the heart of the princess to find somebody. And you know, you know the story, and God just really touched and blessed him. So mom, as I said again, but I want you to know, you can make a significant spiritual impact on your children. Not just teaching them the do's and the don'ts and the this and the that. And, you know, my mom was very um, strict in a lot of ways. You know, we had to learn to make up our bed at a young age. And they had to have like army corners. If you didn't make it like that, she'd get you. And, um, you know, um, and if you left that day and didn't make it up, you had to finish it when you got home. You know, one of my mama's big sayings with 
You made your bed, you got to lie in it. <laughs> in other words, you got yourself into that. You got, you, you know, just you got to, you make your own bed, you have to sleep in it. So you can have, but you know what? Maybe you say, well, I just didn't have a, a great um, example of that. It's time for you, you can make a change for decades. Because when you begin to teach your children, then it changes. Right then it changes. It's just like those of us who didn't, maybe were raised in a family that didn't know Christ, but we accept Christ and we decide that our family is going to serve God. Amen? I was fortunate enough to be raised in one that served God. Pray, those of us who did, thank God for it. Those of us who didn't thank God that we had the opportunity to change. We are the change makers. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, and I'm, I'm going to read some of this so I don't get it wrong, but we're going to be talking about a grandmother, a mother, and a son. Some of you immediately know what I'm going to talk about, right? But um, there was a, a young woman, uh, her name was Eunice. I'm just going to read this little part. And she was raised in a religious home and greatly impacted by her mother, Lois. She loved to learn the, the stories from the Bible when she was young and enjoyed going to services where she could learn about God. As she approached her teenage years, she was still focused on spiritual matter, matters, but she became attracted to a young man who was not religious at all. Not spiritual at all, you might say. But against her mom's wishes and the teaching of her faith and everything else, maybe even the tug of her conscience, she married this man. And I think he was probably a pretty good guy, but he wasn't spiritual. But the next part is where she used what her mom taught her it says, it says, and I read on, after a couple of years of marriage, Eunice and her husband had a baby boy who they named Timothy. In the meantime, Eunice's dad had died so that their mother Lois came to live with them. So both her and her mom spent hours teaching Timothy about their faith. They spent a lot of time putting that faith into them because they know they were in a place where that faith wasn't there, where the dad wasn't involved in the faith. But this mom and this grandmother put all they could into him. And I want to say this. This is, goes to show you even in a place or an atmosphere, uh, for the most part, that's not spiritual, that's not covered in the word, you can make a difference. You put that into them. You put that into their hearts. You know, uh, then Paul came one day and he spoke about a man named Jesus. And Lois and you just listened. And they saw fulfillment in Jesus of the promises of the Old Testament. And they turned their focus on teaching Timothy about Jesus. And we know the story later on. Jesus partnered with Paul, spreading the gospel. 
throughout the world, throughout the area where he was. And then Paul, years later, wrote some letters to Timothy. And he reflected on, on the mothers and what impact that had in his life. So what we can do, what mothers, what you can do, and I want to say not just to young mothers. If you're young mothers, then, you know, write this down. Get, get the notes. And you and any mothers, as I said, I don't care how old you are, you can still have an impact. So one of the things that you need to do is in, you need to instill a respect for God's word in your children. You, you can say, look, this is God's word. And I don't care where you are. Maybe you messed up and you didn't do that. Start now. But you can make a difference instilling a respect for God's word. In other words, God's word is true. God's word will, will assist you in life. And so I want to read 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. It says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. Boy, what a, what, what a wisdom. Remain faithful to those spiritual things that you've been taught. My mom before, I didn't know I was going to reflect on my mom that much, but all these things are coming to my mind and my heart. But before we went to bed at night, my mom would gather us in one of our bedrooms and she would read the Bible to us and pray with us all the time. She did that every night I can remember. You know they are true for you know you can trust those who taught you. You can trust them. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So... Paul's reminding Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. They will be persecuted for their faith. But Paul, in, in the 14th verse, he, he encourages, he says, to continue in what you've learned. Beca I like this version that they have in here. It says, be and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. In other words, you learned it from a trustworthy source, from your mom and your grandmother. And, and Paul didn't only just learn them, he, he, he was cognitive with it. He made them a practice of who he was. He owned what God's word said. And he was convicted of its truthfulness. He didn't just fill his head with truth. You know, we like to do that. We read and we read and we feel it. But if you don't initialize it, if you don't use it, guess what? It's not worth anything. Whatever you learn, if you don't put it to practice, you don't learn how to do it. You know, when you learn, when you put stuff in your heart, in your mind, no matter what it is, and you learn it and you begin to use it, when you come across a situation, you know what you do? You use it without even thinking. People call me sometimes and say, this is happening, what do I do? And boom, if I've done it before, know it and practice it, I can say, oh, well, just do this, it'll fix it. I had someone come in the other day and they were trying to wire something up and they said, now, 
if I do this and I do this and I do this. Well, you know, my first thing is cut the power off first. Because I do, you know. <laughs> Darren's like, mm-hmm. I at least tell everybody else to. But see, I think Timothy did this because he saw that modeled in his mother and his grandmother. They taught him this. They taught him the word. You know, it doesn't talk about this, but I'm sure mom and grandmama got persecuted a lot for their faith. But Timothy saw them stand strong. No, what, no matter what. And then in verse 15 it says, you know, how from childhood you've known these scriptures. They're, you know, they made you wise. They made you think. So the, these devout to Christian women, Lois and Eunice, taught the scriptures from Timothy from the beginning. I want to say if you've got babies... Read the word to them. Pray with them. Let them see you doing that. And the older they get, they will become like, well, this is what you're supposed to do, right? Because my mama did it, and she did it with me. <laughs> so they did all that they could to provide Timothy an opportunity to learn all that he could about the Word of God. We have to give them opportunity. And I know today in this world, there's so much out there to take away from it. I mean, it, you know, it used to be just TV. Well, it's not TV no more. I don't have mine on me because I don't bring it in here. But when I'm oh, sharing God's Word, that so I'm not tempted by it. Amen? You can even cut it off, but you think about one of somebody. You know. But what I'm saying is, is it's in front of them sometimes all the time. They got a tablet. They got a this. They got a that. What's being taught them on that screen? What does their screen time consist of? Some of you are saying, you're messing with me now. Leave me alone. I'm not messing with you. God is. I mean, so you need to be teaching them the Word of God all the time. Hey, there's an opportunity. Find some good stuff, maybe some veggie tales. I don't know if they're all good, but they're pretty good. They're better than a lot of stuff they could be looking at. Let them be watching the veggie tales. Let them be fine. There's all kinds of good stuff out there they could be focusing on. So do everything you can to provide your children with the Word of God. Every avenue you can. And we've got all kinds of avenues out there. Good ones and bad ones, but we want to do the good ones. Amen? And then another scripture in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9, and I think that um, Eunice and Lois were probably, they knew the scripture pretty good. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9 says, through 9, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love, the God, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So these commands that we're getting ready to hear were very important. And, and, and Eunice and Lois, this mother and grandmother, took it very seriously. Because they knew what the God's word says. 
These are, 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 are very important. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wow. In other words, all the time. You know, we used to talk when we were traveling because that's all we had to do. You know, my, I remember we had a 1964 Galaxy 500. How many of you are old enough to know what that was? It had vinyl, it was white with red vinyl seats. No air conditioning. Okay? And we were, my brother and I were really excited about it because we had looked in the dash and it was formally, formally registered to the ambassador of Italy. And I guess it got sold down the line. But I remember traveling you know, and we talked about things, right? We talked about things. And we did part of it. We talked about things. We looked out the window. We did things to keep our mind off of our back sweating. Because on the way, to, we would go to the beach every year. And the car was loaded down with everything you needed for a week, including, including the food. And the back end of the car would be about this close to the ground. And this was in July and so it was hot amen it was hot barefooted shorts and a t-shirt and you sweated but we talked even in the winter time when it's cold we talked now what is it everybody in the car has got a phone see <laughs> everybody's got a phone everybody's on a different social media thing or whatever and then maybe the little kids have got something game to play and I'm not saying that's bad all the time there are times you need to take care but when do you talk as a family and I, we're bad about that Peggy will be sitting around now and she'll be on hers and I'll be on mine and we don't think about it I guess this is as deep as I can go on that right now I always will say, maybe we need to learn, and Peggy's talked about it, and we end up not doing it, but when you come in the door and we're going to have family time, there's a basket, or maybe a lockbox. <laughs> Stick it in there, <laughs> hide the key. <laughs> but, but God, you are the biggest I don't think this is a word, but I'm going to say it. Instiller of God's word into your children. You're the biggest example. I don't care what they learn here. You know, in the past year, people say, well, you just, the church didn't teach them enough. The church can teach them all they want to, but when they walk in that house at home, and if the word of God is not there, if those things, the principles are not there, guess what? That's what they look at. That's what they look at. Well, I go home, mom and dad don't care, you know. And some people expect the church to raise their kids and we do our part, but we can't. Well, I'm just getting into all kinds of stuff this morning. 
So he wants us to instill in our kids a respect for God's word, a respect for walking and living. I want to read this little story to you. It says, four scholars were arguing over Bible translations. Nobody's ever done that, right? One, one said he preferred the King James Version because of its beauty and eloquent Old English. Another said he liked the New American Standard Version for its literism and how it moves the reader from passage to passage with confident feelings of accuracy from the original text. The third scholar was sold on the New Living Translations for its use of contemporary phrases and idioms that capture the meaning of difficult ideas. After being quiet for a moment, the fourth scholar admitted, I have personally preferred my mother's translation. <laughs> when the other scholars started laughing, he said, yes, she translated the scriptures. My mom translated each page of the Bible into life, and it's the most convincing translation I have ever read. Wow, powerful stuff, guys. And that doesn't leave you out either, fathers. So moms, since we're focused on Mother's Day, what kind of Bible is your child reading? What translation are they reading? I love you, moms. I'm not trying to put you under conviction. But I want you to know it's important The other thing to do is to instill a genuine faith. You instill God's word, but instill a genuine faith. 2 Timothy 1.5. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that you first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. The word genuine means actually produced by or proceeding from alleged source or author. The signature is genuine. Sincerely and honestly felt or experienced. Nobody knows <laughs> better. Nobody knows better than a child how genuine their parents' faith is. Because they see him at home. They see him in the quote unquote real life situations. You notice it was from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. There was a chain there. And if you want to instill that genuine faith, you better take your faith seriously. Not some new toy that you got that's just great you know it's awesome it's a good it's it's good it's positive but you need to take it seriously it's a part of your life it's the way you live life you know a godly mother's more interested in her children's soul than in their bodies or in the clothes that they wear these are a couple of things that I found. It says, she's more interested in her children's eternal life than success in this life. Her child's relationship with Jesus than the popularity in the world. Her children standing before God than their social status. Her children's spiritually, spirituality than their intellectual, musical, athletic accomplishments. 
Those are all good, but she's more interested in that. Because I want to tell you what, any of that other without the spiritual can become askew, I might say. But you know what? I think in all of those, spirit, the spirituality can re really affects and enhances that. Amen? I know it did in my life. It brought, as far as the music was concerned to me, places I thought I'd never be. So moms, if you want to instill genuine faith in your children, then you better... You know, there are three qualities I want to mention that were passed down to Timothy from his mother and his grandmother. Number one, he was a strong believer. He, he, he was referred to as a disciple by Luke. And he could have just referred to him as a believer or a Christian, but he referred to him as a disciple. And a disciple is a learner and a follower. He was serious about Jesus Christ. He was serious about his faith. He had a good reputation. Mothers, we needed a good reputation. He was spoke well of. Um, he was a man of integrity, a man of the word. He was rock solid. And this had a lot to do with his mother and grandmother putting faith into him. And another, the third thing was that he was available. When Paul wanted to take him along on his journey, Paul, Timothy was ready to go. He was eager to minister. He was available. You know, you, I hear people say, well, I want to be, over the years I've taught, had people that, I want, that would talk to me, I want to be in the ministry. I want to do this. I want to do this. And then when I say be available, learn to be a servant. We believe in being a servant leader. And I want to tell you, if you're just doing it because you like doing it, you're not doing it to serve, then you'll never learn what it's like. And you'll never learn to lead others in the right way. You know, I used to go and I always used to manage people. I always had this thing of, If I wouldn't do it, why would I ask them to do it? I would do some things on purpose just to show them that I would do it. I would crawl under a dark, dingy, low house that was very not nice to show them that I would do it. I didn't have to. Because I could just say, get yourself under there and do it. But I didn't. I would show them that I could do it, and I would do it. And that's what a leader is. Somebody that's willing to, not just show by words, but actions. You know, when... Um, T Timothy knew when, uh, when he was 
asked by Paul to go with him, and he'd be leaving home. He'd be leaving that nurture of grandma and mom, right? He'd be leaving that and going out into a world in a sense by himself, but not really because guess what? That faith, that love, that commitment, that encouragement was on the inside of him because grandma, grandma Mimi, what's the other words for it? All kinds of words. Nina, Noma, whatever it is. Meemaw, Mawmaw, all those things, and mom or mother and mama, and all that was put into them, right? You know, um, it's hard to, that that kind of commitment could ever be developed if it wasn't encouraged at home. At a young age like that. Maybe they get out of the home and later on it is. But what I'm saying is, if you want your kids starting out at an early age, then they better be at home. Because as I said, it can be everywhere else, but it won't be as effective as it is at home. They see it on a daily basis. And then the next thing was to instill a desire to minister. And we kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, but we're... But we needed to... Not only instill all these other things and not only teach them word, but instill a desire for them to use it, to minister. And, and that comes an example again. Mom talks about this and talks about that, but she never does anything. She never speaks to anybody. She never goes and she never helps with this. And some moms are like, I hate dragging my kids. Listen, they need to come to church with you and see you doing it. And when they see you doing it, they're like, that's what you're supposed to do. Right? That's what you're supposed to do. Bring them. Teach them. Instill that, that love inside of them. That love for ministering. And, that, and instilling that is a part of it. Is, is, you know, we're saved to serve. We're not just saved. We're not just delivered. We're not just set free so we can go to heaven. We're saved so we can serve. We can serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We can serve Jesus and we can do the things that he's asked us to do. We can be servants. We can minister the gospel. We, we're, we're disciples and Timothy was a disciple so we can disciple others. We learn so we can disciple others. And the greatest thing you can do is disciple your children. You know how many people get caught up and going and teaching this and teaching that, but at home they don't do it. You're discipling everybody else's kids, but not your own. And you know what? God has equipped us when, we, when we're saved and filled with the Spirit. God has equipped us and through His Word to evangelize. To win the lost, to bring people to Jesus. We're sanctified so we can be sent to a lost and a dying world. That's the reason we're delivered. That's the reason we're saved. That's the we're sent so we can be Jesus to a lost and a dying world. 
We're not just set free. We're not just delivered. We're not just saved so we can go to heaven. That's a great, great benefit. But we're set free so we can be Jesus to the world. Amen? Be Jesus to the world. So we can do greater things than we've done. We can see our kids do greater things. Amen? I want to read Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 in the message. It's, it's very good and clear. It says, write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. I want to say this, and until it's inside of you, you can't deliver it to someone else. Until it's inside of you, you can't get it to your kids. Because it's surface. It's got to be inside. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall bed into bed at night. That ought to be the biggest conversation in your home. Get up in the morning and tell your children, you know what, we're blessed today. God is great today. Jesus is alive and well in our house today. Amen. Amen. And then when they come home, say, Jesus is still alive tonight. You might have had a tough day, but you know what, we're going to come in here and we're going to pray about it. We're going to come in here and God's going to do something awesome in our life. Amen? I have this, and you know, I've read this before, and everybody's heard this, but I love this. Irma Bombeck tells a story about God creating mothers. Hmm. She said, one day, God created mothers. He already had worked long overtime, and the angel said to him, Lord, you sure are spending a lot of time on this one. The Lord turned and said, have you read the specs on this model? She's supposed to be completely washable, but not plastic. She used to have 180 moving parts, all of them replaceable. <laughs> she used to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She's able to function on black coffee and leftovers. And she's supposed to have six pairs of hands. Got a baby in this one and doing this one, and I want you to grab my hand, Mom. <laughs> six pairs of hands, said the angel. That's impossible. It's not the six pairs of hands that bother me, said the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes. She's supposed to have one pair that sees through closed doors, so that whenever she says, what are you kids doing in there? She already knows what they're doing in there. You know, my moms have a, my mom did. She'd ask that question, but she knew most of the time what was happening. She has another pair in the back of her head to see all the things she's not supposed to see, but must see. <laughs> hey, kids, teenagers. You can't get away with it. Mom knows it. <laughs> if she don't know it now, she will know it. Mom's had that like a sniffing out hunting dog. You ever 
seen a hunting dog in action. Really. I've done a little bit of hunting in my time. You ever seen a pointer? You can be just going down and you don't see a thing and all of a sudden tail goes straight back, straight up, and it's just like, and they don't move. You could slap them and they wouldn't move. They've sought it out. Moms can do that. And then she has one pair right in front that can look at a child and just, that just goofed and communicate love and understanding without saying a word. That's too much, said the angel. You can't put that much in one model. Why don't you rest for a while and resume your creating tomorrow? No, I can't, said the Lord. I'm close to creating someone very much like myself. I've already come up with a model who can heal herself when she's sick, who can feed a family on, of six on one pound of hamburger, and who can persuade a nine-year-old to take a shower. Then the angel looked at the model of motherhood a little more closely and said, she's too soft. Oh, but she is tough, said the Lord. You'd be surprised at how much this mother can do. Can she think, asked the angel. Not only can she think, said the Lord, but she can reason and compromise and persuade. Then the angel reached over and touched her cheek. This one has a leak, he said. I told you that you couldn't put that much in one model. That's not a leak, said the Lord. That's a tear. The angel said, what's a tear for? Well, it's for joy, for sadness, for sorrow, for disappointment, for pride. And the angel said, you're a genius. And the Lord said, oh, but I didn't put it there. <laughs> See, God, I want to say this to you, mothers. God will give you the strength to do whatever he asks you to do. He will give you to do the strength to do this when you think you can't. And when you think, well, I, it, they're already out of the house and it hadn't happened yet. You don't, you don't stop. Amen? You don't stop. You know why? Because... There will be an opportunity for you to speak into their life like you never have. I don't know what it'll be, but then all of a sudden, pew. you know, one thing that moms have is a, a knack most of the time to speak when us dads just want to, you know, right? They sometimes have that thing, and, and my wife does. She has to calm me down sometimes, but she has that, that thing, that love. <sighs> Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning. I just, I, I want us to sing. So I, I want you mothers to come forward while we're singing. I know some of you have already been up here, but come again. All the mothers in here, mothers-to-be, whatever, come, and I want you to stand and we're going to sing a song that we sang earlier. And as we do, I'm going to pray for you first. Hallelujah. 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 You know, um, being a mother is a big responsibility. Amen? But 
God equips you for what you need if you just trust him. He will equip you for what you need. Hallelujah. Father, everybody stretch your, oh God, stretch your hands out to these moms. Father, we thank you for these ladies standing here and for the representation they are of you in their children's lives. Father, some of them are young and have young children. Some of them have teenage children. Some of them have grown children. Some of them have both. And they have grandchildren too. Some of them. They can still be a part of that ministry. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, we pray for them. We pray for the anointing upon their lives for the strengthening. And Father, I just pray that 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 through this word this morning, Father God, that you have put a new vigor in their hearts, a new vigor in their life, a new strength in them, Father God, that, that maybe they were waning back a little bit. But right now, Father God, we just pray peace, joy, understanding, life, um, encouragement, wisdom, guidance, words of knowledge for them. And we thank you for that, Lord. I just pray the blessing they are, they can be a blessing to others, that we'll be a blessing to them. Dads, look at this and say, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better dad. And I'm going to encourage that. When they're there and I can't be, I'm going to be an encourager. So, Father, we thank you this morning so much for all these standing here. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the greater things that are going to happen in their lives. Hallelujah. As we sing this song, ladies, I want you to raise your hand and remember that there's going to be greater things happening in your lives of your children and in your family. You know what? And right now, God is speaking to me that there's some that there's some things going on with your kids they're not that bad but they're not pressing in like they should press in and I want to tell you right now God says I'm going to if you you just listen to me and I'm going to tell you what to do and they're going to press in some some will say you know I I can't press in because I don't like what so and so is doing or I don't like this one tell them they got to press all their lives all of our lives we will have those around us that will make us not want to press in because of I don't like the way they get past that. Mothers, you're going to have wisdom.